Welcome to another podcast by Dr. Dennis Smith, Senior Pastor of Covenant Life Ministries. To find out more, go to lifeandfocustv.com. I, um, a man stands next to a, a casket, and there is a, a body of, of a precious loved one, and the pain is so deep, and he's brokenhearted, and he's, and he's wondering why, why this horrible thing happened, and someone comes by a very caring, concerned person. People come in offering their condolences. And they gently place their hand on the man's shoulder and says, just remember, the Bible says, God won't put more on you than you can bear. How many times have you heard somebody say something like that? Maybe even said it yourself. You're going through hard times, sickness, family, financial trouble. And here we have someone tell us or we think, well, you know, the Bible says God won't put more on me than I can bear. But that's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. People say it meaning well, I'm sure. But it's simply not in the Bible. It sounds good, right? It sounds reasonable, yeah. It sounds religious, absolutely. But it's not true. It's not in the Bible. And there's some things about that we see where we've been misled over the years. That God won't put more on you than you can handle, or God won't put more on you than you can bear. And what? If people are saying this, what are they basing it on? If they're saying the Bible says this, what are they basing it on? It's based upon, uh, they're basing it on 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Look at that with me for just a second. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. And the Bible says there that no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Is that talking about hard times? Is that talking about sickness? Is it talking about the loss of finances? Is it talking about, what's that talking about? It's talking about temptation. God will not allow you to be tempted beyond that which you can bear, but every time you face temptation, if you'll look for it, he makes a way of escape. There's nothing in this verse that talks about God won't put bad things on you. He won't put more than what you can bear. So chin up. He's talking about temptation. In James chapter 1, verse 13, beginning of verse 13, it says, Let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted by God. In other words, God doesn't tempt anybody. Neither is he tempted. So verse 14 says, But each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desire and is enticed. Then what happens? Then that desire is conceived. He lets it take root. He lets it grow. It gives birth to sin. And then sin becomes full grown and it brings forth, forth death. And that's what happens with temptation. Now, wrong conceptions, traditions, we have a lot of them in the church. And I could go over a dozen, at least a dozen of them right now. We're going to be hitting on a few of them in the next two or three weeks. 
But uh, it shows us the importance of knowing the Word. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, that all Scripture is what? Inspired. God breathed. It's true. It is, it is God's Word for us today. It's useful to teach us what is true, what help us to realize what's wrong in our lives, the Scripture says. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what's right. See, troubles are not there to teach you a lesson. The Bible says that His Word is there to show you and teach you what is right and what is wrong. Now, I'm not anti-tradition. There are some wonderful traditions in life. And there are wonderful traditions in the church. The problem is, is that oftentimes we substituted and tradition for what the Word says. We've claimed this is what the Bible says when it's actually just something that people started saying. Something that came from uh, what they heard some pastor say or, or some interpretation or misinterpretation of the Scripture. So let's look at two or three things here just for the next few moments that I think, I'll, I think it'll help us here to, to understand how this saying, this phrase has misled so many people. First of all, it's important. This is very basic, very simple, I know, but we need to get hold of this. First of all, we, we need to know who our Father is. You need to know your Father. This, this saying says God will not put more on you than you can bear. You need to know who your Father is. You need to know what your Father's like. Is He the Father that's going to put something bad on you? No, absolutely not. Is he God that wants to, to bring some harm into your life? Teach you a lesson? That's not what God, your loving Father, wants to do. There's a newspaper article recently that came out in one of the major newspapers that the quote of it said, it's a tough time to be God. It's a tough time to be God. It said because there are those who... who Say God is irrelevant, God is meaningless, there is no God really. There are those that say God is, is, is not in touch with human life. And then there are those who simply, uh, who simply angry with God. They're mad at God. I could ask this morning, have you ever been angry with God? Have you ever been mad at God? And probably someone would say, well, yeah, actually I have. You know, he's big enough to handle that. He's big enough to handle that, but sometimes we, uh, the problem is, is we misdirect that anger. God is the one who's on your side. God's for you and not against you. The problem has been the wrong perception of God. What's God like? And we see that this has permeated the church over the last gener generation or so uh, and even further back. It's permeated the church into where it's it has given us these neat little sayings that sound religious, but actually what they're doing is misrepresenting our Father. It'll help you not fall into that trap and be misled if you will really know your Father. And that's what Jesus came to do. One of the primary things Jesus came to do, He said, I came to reveal the Father to you. And uh, He said in, in uh, John chapter 17, He said, uh, Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And he says, and they do, talking about his disciples. He came to reveal the Father to his followers. And that's what he, he came to reveal the Father to us. He said, this is what Daddy's like. This is what Father God is like. 
Because there's so many people who get this idea that, that God is the God who is a God of vengeance. And there are times of judgment. I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that that is, is you know, that, that there's never acts of judgment and things that happen. But it's important for us to understand when we understand the heart of the Father, the heart of the Father is to love. The heart of the Father is to redeem and to restore. Our, that's who our Father is. James chapter 1, verse 16, 17 says, Don't be deceived or misled, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. He doesn't, he, he is constant. He's always good. He's always loved. Well, how can there be judgment? How can, how can there be judgment if God's always good? Because God is also all holy and pure. And sin demands judgment. And people bring it on themselves. Now, Jesus came to make that quite clear who your father is when he says, when he declares to us his purpose. In John chapter 10, verse 10, he says, The thief comes, not, uh, comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I've come that you may have life, that you may enjoy life, and that you may have it more abundantly or to the full or till it overflows. Jesus says, I want to make this clear. There's one who's the thief. He's the one that comes to steal from you, to kill and destroy but Jesus says, but I have come so that you might have life, enjoy it to the full. Life more abundant. Could it be any clearer that when Jesus came to reveal the Father, yes, he's holy. Yes, he is mighty. Yes, he is just. But Jesus came to give us the picture not of just a just or holy God, but he says if you really want to know God, you need to know him as your Father. And when Jesus talked to some of the Pharisees and some of the religious leaders who had rejected Christ, he said, he spoke to those people and he said, you are of your father the devil. Well, that's pretty direct, isn't it? You're, you're, you're of your father the devil. So everyone's not a child of God. Everyone is a result of the overall creation of God, but everyone's not a child of God. You become a child of God by being born into the kingdom. And that's a new birth. When you come to Christ who gave his life for you, who shed his blood for you, who has uh, made the way for you to be made righteous, clean, forgiven, that's when you join the family. He becomes your father, your father. And your father is a good, good father. Now we know that the, the father who really loves the child will chasten or teach that child. We understand that. But God is not in the business of bringing harm to punish you or to teach you a lesson. He said, but that's not the nature of the Father. Now, in Acts chapter 10 verse 38, uh, here in the book of Acts, it describes the ministry of Jesus. Jesus said, I came to reveal to you what the Father's like. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In Acts 10, 38, it tells about Jesus. It says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And this is what Jesus did. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. God's not in the business. Doesn't desire to bring tragedy or sickness or pain and loss. So when you say, God won't put this on you, 
God's getting a raw deal. Accusing God of those sort of things. And yet it happens, and to well-meaning people. It's just simply what they've been taught. That the reason I'm going through this terrible time is because God has placed this on me for some purpose. This can, this can be confusing. It can be confusing. It can be confusing to the believer if you're going through some really, really, really bad times to try to figure out why your loving Father's doing that to you. And Jesus said, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does the Heavenly Father know how or desire to give good gifts to His children? So one of the important things for us to settle down deep inside that our Father, who is holy and who is just, who is pure, who is mighty, He is our Father who he's loves you, His son and daughter. He desires good things for you. He desires that you grow. He desires that you learn. He will allow you to do some things because you have a free will that ultimately may bring some challenges into your life. But he's not the one who puts bad things on you so that he can see how strong you are. So, it's extremely important for us to, to know this. As simple as it is, Jesus said, I want you to know what the Father's like. He said, pray this way. He said, our Father who's, heaven, who's in heaven, our Father in heaven. He talks about the holiness of God. He talks about the goodness of God, the provision of God. And he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then Jesus went about doing the will of the Father. What did Jesus do when he went about doing the will of the Father? There was forgiveness. There was healing. There was uh, restoration. There was uh, the dead being brought back to life. Jesus said, Here, you want to see what the Father's like? Look at me. Look what I'm doing. It says he healed all that were oppressed by the devil. This is what the Father's like. This is what the Father's like. So it's important for you to know your Father. Know your Father. The second thing is very fundamental also. It's important for you to know who your real enemy is. In warfare, that's extremely important. In some type of military strategy, that's extremely important for you to be able to, in some way, identify your enemy. Why is there evil in the world? The age-old question. Why do bad things happen? Even why do bad things happen to good people? And we have, we have covered that well, I think, over in the last several years. And I think it's getting down inside of us. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, the Bible says, Be sober, be vigilant. When you live in translation, it says, Stay alert. Watch out because your adversary or your enemy, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, has the appearance of. Somebody says he's like a roaring lion, but his teeth have been knocked out. And that's kind of the truth through what Jesus has done for us on, on the cross and his resurrection. Walks about, the, de the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Whom he may devour. So it looks as if he, who he may devour, it looks as if there are those that he cannot devour. And those are the people who are standing on the word. Those are the people that are believing, confessing, saying, and receiving the will of God in their lives. The devil 
will not be victorious in your life. You don't have to worry about the power of your enemy. Greater is he that lives in you than he that's in the world. Now, so why is there, why, why do we see bad things? Why is there evil in the world? Well, because sin came in the world. When, because God, who created everything good and perfect, gave man also the freedom to choose whether to serve him, to follow him, to experience his blessing and follow in his way and fulfill the purpose of God in the earth. But man rebelled against that, responded and yielded to the enemy. Man said, I don't really need God. Adam and Eve said, I, don't really, I, I, I really want to choose my way. So in that rebellion, sin came. And as a result of it, we call the fallen nature of man or the fallen world. And so many of the horrific things you see happen in the world uh, are not the result of, of, of God doing something. It's the result of the fact that he, that he created something that was good and that was perfect. And out of that, out of man's rebellion, the result of that was something just the opposite. That was bad, that was evil, that was destructive. And if you look at the fallen nature of man and look at the fallen world, that's exactly what you see. Ugliness, destruction, hurt, and pain. But that was never God's desire. Not his perfect will. So bad things happen because mankind, there's a curse in this world. Bad things happen. Bad things happen in nature. When God created the earth, everything was perfect. There was nothing out of order. But when sin came, everything changed. Bad things happen because we do have an adversary, Satan. A few things the Bible says about Satan, and he's real, not just a pitchfork figure that you read about or see about and some people make fun of, but he's a real, real evil. He was, he was an angel, one of the archangels who was cast out because of his rebellion against God. And then he's the prince of the power of the air, the Bible says. He was on earth. Man was created. He came to man to tempt, came to Adam and Eve in a desire to defeat the ultimate purpose of God, that his creation would rule and reign in this earth. That's a whole lot I just said. But it's important for us to learn these basic essential things because we have to see that when God created man, he created man with an eternal destiny. He created man and said, you take dominion, you rule in the earth. And you do this under my authority. And if man had done that, this world would be filled with the glory of God and the blessings of God and perfection. How many of you know God's way is always the best? But unfortunately, because of yielding to Satan, sin came into the world, and the result of that was not good. The Bible says that Satan, your enemy, is a liar, and he's the father of lies. How many times has the enemy lied to you? How many times have you known when something came up on the inside of you that that wasn't God? It was a lie. It was contrary to the Word of God. If it's contrary to the Word of God, you know it's a lie and you know the source of it. Just learn to recognize that. He uh, tries to devour by intimidating and bringing fear into people's lives. 
I heard someone say something I think is true that, that Satan hunts among the hurting people. He hunts among the hurting. Now, God seeks whomever he may devour, but if you're hurting, if you've been discouraged, or if uh, you've had your feelings hurt, or things are going on that, that's, uh, that, that puts you in a, that kind of puts you in a place there of being open to the suggestions of the enemy. And when you are down, when you are struggling, when you're going through some of these things, that's when Satan really loves to come in and bam, 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 bam. It all seems to come in. I mean, how many times you heard someone say, well, man, this happened to me this week. And then it just, it seems to just all come, it just all comes in bunches. I just, you know, one thing happens and then another and another and another and another. Well, that's how the enemy works. He likes to get you down and keep you down. He likes to, to discourage you and put you in place. He likes to hurt you so that you pull away from him and you allow, you allow yourself to hear and believe the lies that the devil is telling. We get ourselves in trouble that way if we're not careful. The Bible says that Satan is a deceiver. He's subtle. He tempts and entices us to do things, but all those, those things are loaded with devastating consequences. There's evil or bad things in the world because of choices and decisions people make. First of all, uh, we bring about some of this stuff on ourselves. It's self-inflicted. It's not that God puts things on us. We did it. Sometimes other people's decisions can affect you. You deal with things because of other people's choices and decisions. Well, that's unfair. I know it is, but that's just the way life is. The Bible talks about the sins being visited on the second and third generation. There's a lot in, in that verse, but essentially it's saying that what other people do can affect you. Now, how we allow it affects us is up, up to us. The third thing's important for us to know, folks, that even though we know that uh, you got to know the Father, He's the one that's on your side, He's not trying to put things on you just to see whether you can bear up under it or not. Secondly, you need to know who's really against you. You need to identify your enemy. And thirdly, we need to know what to do when that trouble comes in your life. If we say King James, trouble cometh. Trouble cometh. That's what Jesus basically said. In John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus said, These things I've spoken to you, that in me you might have peace. In the world, you'll have tribulation and trials. But be of good cheer, be encouraged, because I've overcome the world. And that's a promise. He promises his peace, and he promises that we overcome because he's overcome. But in the middle of that, sandwiched tribulation and trial. And he said, look, it's going, stuff's going to happen. How many of you can testify by waving your hand that sometimes stuff just happens? There are some days. <laughs> and when those things begin to come in life or hammer you, and you know, maybe conflict between husband and wife and crosswords, and then, of course, that opens up the way, strife opens up all kinds of ways for the devil to try to, to do, do things in your life. But when things happen to us, Trials, troubles, even bad things. When things happen to us, 
We sometimes as Christians, we're kind of in this place, well, okay, what do I do? Do I receive this and say that God's trying to teach me a lesson or do I reject it and say, devil, leave me alone? Who's doing this? Who's causing this to happen? People say, well, he's God. If it's happening, then it evidently had to be his will. I can't revisit that again, but I hope we've gotten to a point to realize that God created us out there with the ability to make decisions and he released man into this place of authority and he will not violate his word and he will not violate your free will. Things happen as a result of our own decisions. But we need to know when something's happened to you, is this something I need to just really learn from or is this something that... I need to resist. Uh, well, is it God or is it me or is it devil? Let me, when you talk about what to do when trouble comes, let me just point out just some little, little uh, basic but extremely important things to do. When you face trouble, no matter what that trouble is, stand on the word. Number one, stand on the Word. The Word of God is powerful. It's alive. And the Word of God will help you sort through some of these things that are happening. And the Word of God will help you to, to zero in on the nature and the goodness of God. And the Word of God re, may reveal some things in your life that are, as we say, out of kelter or that are unbalanced or needs to change. And the reason some of these things are happening is because you've opened yourself up to it. But stand on the Word because the Word of God will show you. Stand. Stand because uh, even when you're going through difficult times, God can do some very miraculous and powerful things at times. He can change you. You can be, you can be, you, your response to those troubles can either take you down or build you up. It's not the troubles, it's our response to those troubles. That, that's what makes the difference. You remember the story of Joseph in the Old Testament? <clears throat> There's a lot of theology you can get into when you're talking about Joseph and all kinds of doctrinal things and whatever and there are differences of opinions on but Joseph who was betrayed by his brothers you remember the account betrayed by his brothers and then sold into slavery he went through all kinds of ordeals held captive as a as a prisoner in a foreign land <clears throat> well uh, mistreated by his brothers betrayed by his own brothers how horrible is that Sold into captivity, coming into a place, a foreign place in slavery, uh, put into prison a couple times, falsely accused, forgotten. All these things happen. And this bang, bang, bang. But here's something you see is that, that and he didn't even have the written scripture like we do. But he, he knew, he knew the, the, and believed in the faithfulness of God. He stood strong in his faith. And we see that in his lifestyle during that time, choices he made. He stood strong on what he believed. He believed God and he stood strong. And the result of that was finally when he was restored to a place of power and eventually his brothers, family even has to come to him. Uh, he 
because of that place of, rest, uh, of leadership he has, he's able to actually save his own family to help them, keep them from starving. But that's where that, that interesting verse in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20 comes in and says that <clears throat> Joseph said, you intended to harm me, talking about his brothers, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Now to understand that when these things happen in our lives, we don't see that God is doing it to us. We see and understand that I make the proper response to it and I trust God through it and out of that I'm going to see He's going to turn around and bring good. So how do I face troubles? I stand on the Word no matter what's happening to me. Secondly, I rejoice. (laughs) Uh, That's a tough one. Is that usually your response? Is that usually our response when something goes wrong? Is that usually our, is that usually our response? It happens that, well, hallelujah, praise God. It's wonderful. No, we begin to say, oh, man, not again. Why, Lord? Why? Why? You know, we begin asking all sorts of questions, and you know what usually happens? You know that I know. I know it's wrong, but what usually happens is we complain. When something is going wrong and we're facing difficulties, what we do is we complain. You know, one of the things is the opposite of complaining praise. And so what we do is if we're going to stand during these troubled times in the Word of God, then we're going to determine our heart, I'm just going to rejoice because there's power in praise. And when the enemy tries to get you down and the only result is you stand on the Word and you rejoice anyway, then guess who's winning? You are. And this thing is not going to destroy you. And it's not going to take you out. But God's going to even turn some of these things around and work for good in your life. So when you're facing trouble, make up your mind. Now, you, have, you need to make up your mind before it happens to you. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to praise. I'm going to worship. You're going to need a Christian friend, maybe your spouse or someone who stands alongside you. You say, all right, just to remind them, okay, this is really tough. Let's praise the Lord. <laughs> In everything, give thanks, Lord. It doesn't say for everything because bad things doesn't come from God. But it says, in everything, give thanks to the Lord. Worship Him. Praise Him. There is something supernaturally released when you determine from a genuine heart. And sometimes you say, God, help me to praise. God, help me to praise. Lord, help me to do this. I know you're God. I know you love me. And Lord, just right now, I offer a sacrifice of praise. I don't really feel like praising you very much at the moment. But I will, you know, that means choice, determination of your own. I will praise you, Lord. And you will find that when your reaction begins to be one of praise and thanksgiving, the whole environment and atmosphere will change. Not immediately, perhaps, but it will begin to change, and you'll begin to walk, I think, in a greater place of victory. So rejoice. The Bible says in James 1, 2, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. 
New Living Translation says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Well, here's another opportunity to praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 1 Peter chapter 1 says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for just a little while, if need be, you've been grieved or distressed by various trials. James 1.12 says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they'll receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love Him. Stand on the Word, rejoice and praise Him anyway, and thirdly, grow through it. Be strengthened in it. There, there, there has to be a certain amount of tension. Tension, that's what exercise, weightlifting, exercise, there has to be a certain amount of tension to put us to, in a good sense of the word of stress, against, to push against that develops, that causes you to grow stronger to develop. When you walk through these difficult days and trials and troubles, these maybe just little things, but they really can get under your skin. When you determine that you're going to stand on the word, not going to get over and complain, but you're going to praise the Lord. And then you're going to say, well, Lord, you know, I'm going to learn from this. I'm going to grow from this. What happens is, is when you go through those tough times and you learn to how to walk them out according to the word, it's like, it's like, building those muscles, those spiritual muscles inside of you. And when you go through them and you come out of them in victory, then you learn step by step you get stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And so it's, that's why it's important in the middle of these troubles that we determine that we're going to fall through in faith because God's going to even use the circumstances. Sometimes it's used to prove just how genuine our faith is. You remember Abraham and Isaac. Offering Isaac sacrifice. Sometimes little things in our lives can just show us, well, this is kind of where you are in your faith. Now, you think there needs to be some changes? Well, that's a time for us to wake up and do it. Psalm, uh, it, it uh, growing is a time to shape us, to refine us. Psalm 139, David said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Verse 24 in New Living Translation says, Point out anything in me that offends you. See if there is any wicked way in me and lead me among the path of ever, to everlasting life. So when this happens, then it can shape you. It can equip you and prepare you for the next step. It, it can increase your compassion for others. All this is true. And, and look at this testimony of Apostle Paul as we bring things down to a close here. Look at the testimony by Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8-10. through 10. Just hear this. As, this is a letter he's writing to the church. Hear it that way. He says... We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were cursed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. Well, now they're facing some trials and tribulations, persecution, right? And oftentimes when the Bible and New Testament is talking about trials, that's what it's talking about. It's things that are happening to you because of your witness, persecution. It's not because you had a bad day or the washing machine broke down. It's because you really dealing with some serious things. People are coming against you in your faith. But they're facing all of these sorts of things. And he says, you know, uh, we were cursed and overwhelmed beyond our ability. Now, we said that God won't put more on you than you could bear. But right here, Paul says that these, th were, these things that were happening to him were greater than they could bear. Isn't that what more than your ability is? 
So evidently he didn't see this as something God was doing to him. So he said, we were cursed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. We didn't think we would live through it. Verse 9. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, as a result of this situation he was in, get this, as a result, we stopped relying completely or stopped relying on ourselves and our own ability and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. I like verse 10. And he did rescue us from mortal danger and he will rescue us again. We placed our confidence in him and he will continue to rescue us. Wow. And he went on and said in the Corinthian letter, 2 Corinthians, he said, you know, when I'm weak in my own human strength, then I'm strong, truly powerful because I'm drawing that power from God's strength. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even your faith. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 30? He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That doesn't sound like a God who says, let me see how much I can pile on you. But no matter how much I pile on you, I'm going to know when it's just about to be too much, then I'm going to stop because I'm not going to put more on you than you're going to be able to bear. Like, and people, there are Christians who live that way thinking they're walking under something that the Lord put on them. I'm just going to be faithful till the end. Keep on, Lord, just be merciful to me. Someday, in the by and by, I'm going to make it. I don't know how, but somehow, if the Lord puts any more on me, I don't know what I'll do, but the Bible says he won't put more on me than a bear, so I just got to bear up. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He doesn't expect you to handle these things on your own. He expects you to walk in the faith that you have and he expects you to trust his power in your life. Amen. Exclamation point. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a good shout this morning. Thank you, Lord. Yes. I want to stand and pray before we go. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for just the fun we've had this morning. The worship that we've been able to experience your presence above everything else, Lord. Thank you for your presence. God, give us more wisdom to understand your word and to rightly divide your word. Help us, Lord, to, to, to be able to discern the difference between man's tradition and lies and your truth and your word. Help us to understand and remember, God, that you're a good God who wants good things in our lives. Oh God, forgive us and we understand that sometimes we've allowed the enemy, we've allowed bad things into our life, we've allowed these things by our own choices. But Lord, we know your word tells us to submit ourselves to you, resist the devil and he'll flee from us. Nothing is too difficult with you in our lives. Lord, I thank you that no matter what any person in this building, no matter what they're facing, no matter what they're going through right now, help them to understand that you're the God that's there.
to rescue them. And that they will stand faithfully on your word. Rejoice anyway and grow in the middle of it. Lord, you've got good things ahead for them. And I thank you for that now in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen, amen.